respect every single task, everything from the surgery that the surgeon does to emptying the trash in the surgery room, it is all critical work. And I think the more respect that you have for every single level of task, the more effective you'll be at hiring and delegating and leading. You're listening to Real Marketing Real Fast, the only podcast that brings you unfiltered, undaunted, insider information on the latest tools and technologies for online marketers. Prepare to dive deep into marketing myths, breakthrough models, and cutting-edge strategies that will have an immediate impact on the growth of your business. And now, here's your host, marketing expert, Doug Morneau. Hey, welcome back. Let's just another episode of Real Marketing Real Fast. Today in studio, I've got joining me Tim Francis. Now, Tim is a fellow Canadian, but he's also an NYU guest lecturer, certified Scrum product owner, and a lecturer at the University of Alberta. Uh, he's an award-winning entrepreneur and the founder of ProfitFactory.com and TheGreatAssistant.com. He's a graduate of University of Alberta. And uh, in 2010, 2011, Tim was blindsided and he had a rare illness that left him unable to walk for three months. He nearly went bankrupt uh, as a result of this, and he was reforced to restart his business. And at that point, he promised himself that he'd never be a burnt out entrepreneur again. So, uh, you know, um, I had a great conversation with Tim and we talked about um, why more entrepreneurs don't have assistance. I think you're really going to enjoy this episode. You're going to want to make sure that you stick around to the very end as Tim rolls out and shares with you, you know, how he got his humble start and the challenges that he had to overcome to build his business to be successful and what it is today. So I'd like to welcome Tim Francis to the Real Marketing Real Podcast today. Hey, Tim, super excited to have you to join me as part of the Real Marketing Real Fast podcast today so welcome to the show thanks for having me doug so we started talking a little bit before we uh, started recording and i asked you kind of what your superpower was and i I'd just like you to recap that because i think it's so valuable i mean we have um, entrepreneurs and c-level uh, business and executive guys on here and often they feel overwhelmed there's lots of details and stuff to do so do you want to take uh, take a minute and just give us a little bit of background on what you're doing and how you help your clients be more successful so I own a company called Great Assistant, and we help entrepreneurs to get a great executive virtual assistant that's coming out of corporate America. So we're not hiring people from the Philippines or India. We're taking people who otherwise would be corporate level talent or professional level talent who are looking to work from home to because they've got kids or they've got an ailing parent or something like that, and they're looking for the flexibility. And so they find us, and then we match them up with entrepreneurs who are overwhelmed and looking to get back to the work that they love instead of being stuck in the minutiae. And one of my superpowers that I've developed is an idea that I call surgeon in the room. So basically any part of business, whether it's marketing or sales or accounting, it could be literally any part of business. It all has some element of it that is the execution part, or you could even say there's like an operations part to marketing or an operations part to accounting. It doesn't matter what the function of business is. And what I really, really, really encourage entrepreneurs to focus on, and it's the superpower we developed for myself, is how to become the surgeon in the room. And so if you think about surgery, if we were to leave it as one big project, it would be impossible for the surgeon to delegate anything. But because the medical community very intelligently unpacked surgery into many small pieces, we now see that it's a sequence of sometimes hundreds of steps. So 
yes, there's the initial diagnosis, but there's also prepping the room, prepping the tools, getting any kind of like backup blood supplies, any medication that might be needed for the surgery room. And then after the operation is also cleaning up the room, doing paperwork afterwards, dealing with payment, whatever the case may be. And so by unpacking all the different steps, we're now able to see the strata of different levels of task. And so at the very top, which is what the surgeon focuses on and what I encourage entrepreneurs to focus on is strategy, high-level skill, and high-level access. So strategy is the surgeon diagnosing the patient long before they're in the, in the surgery room. And then the other point where their strategy is after the surgery is done, that surgeon will meet with the patient just to make sure that everything's on track with their recovery. The high-level skill, there's only one step in all of it that's high-level skill, and that's doing the surgery itself. Then high-level access, I mean, it's only the surgeon who has high-level access to their own medical license to be able to sign off on certain things. And it's only the surgeon who has high-level access probably to other high-level surgeons to get a second opinion if he or she is looking to get more clarity on their approach. And anything outside of that, which is really only about five steps in the overall 500 steps of surgery, everything below that, we draw a delegation line and everything below that should be done by everyone else. So anything to do with maintenance, coordinating, maybe even some of the setup type work, customer support, tech support, common errands. I mean, all of it, everything else should be done by everyone else. And I think one of my superpowers is being able to see what elements of a project can be unpacked and of what is unpacked, how we can kind of triage that to different people. And I think what's cool is it's a superpower that I, I've developed, but it's not like I'm the only one who can do it. Um, we've helped dozens and dozens and dozens and dozens of entrepreneurs, in fact, over 200 entrepreneurs now, to begin developing that lens for themselves. So now they're not only able to get a great assistant, they're able to work with a great assistant and keep a great assistant. And even better than that, it's not just the assistant relationship that benefits. That entrepreneur now gets better at working with their accountant, with their bookkeeper, with any sales staff they have, any other managers that they might have working under them, or even if it's just them and a partner, them separating duties with their partner better. So it actually makes them a more effective delegator and leader across the entire spectrum of their business. And that totally makes sense. Although, you know, for some people listening, that, that might sound like an overwhelming task to go from, hey, I'm doing a lot of this stuff myself. And now I need to I need to bring in some help and take that first step to expanding my team or I'm working on a team, but I still need to have an assistant to to help me do that. So could you share a breakthrough, uh, pick a client, name the client, not the client. It's up to you uh, if you want to give them a shout out on how you came alongside, uh, help them walk through this process, uh, get hired up and how that impacted their business? Yeah. I mean, we work with a lot of clients across a lot of different industries. And usually one of the biggest breakthroughs we help entrepreneurs with is actually to get rid of their email inbox. A lot of people think that's impossible. We've now helped, like I said, dozens and dozens and dozens of entrepreneurs to do that. And in addition to that, it's, it's I think, really helping the entrepreneur to notice what are all the, the metaphoric paper cuts? So I say, it sounds kind of funny for me to say that, but as entrepreneurs, we oftentimes die death by a thousand paper cuts. And we'll oftentimes <laughs> say, yeah. yeah, right. So oftentimes we'll say, ah, oh, well, why would I bother handing this task off to someone else when, you know, I could do it and it would only take me 10 minutes, but it would take me 30 minutes to train someone else. The thing is, is when you take a step back and you start taking a look at how often does that task come up? you start realizing 10 minutes here, 10 minutes there, 10 minutes here, 10 minutes there, like 
in the world of marketing, if you're sending an email broadcast once a day to your following, if you've got a very uh, email marketing intensive strategy, then something that might, you know, might take you 30 to 40 minutes to write copy. And if you actually think about it to actually open up Infusionsoft or Aweber or HubSpot or, you know, whatever the CRM tool is that you're using to, if you're to time yourself to open it up, create the email broadcast, paste in your copy, fight with the, what you see is what you get editor to make sure that the bolding stays bolding and the italicized stays italicized <laughs> and the links are linked properly. And then send a, a test broadcast to yourself. And in the test broadcast, click, click on all the links to make sure they go to the right destination URLs. And after that, go back into the CRM and make sure it's scheduled for the right time, date, and time zone. You would discover that it's like 30 to 40 minutes to write the copy. And all the CRM work and testing is actually another like 30 to 40 minutes. And it's just extraordinary how fast those little things add up. And especially if you're doing them every day or even just a few times a week, that adds up so quickly into an hour or two a week. And you start multiplying that out over the course of 50 work weeks a year. And you've got like 100 hours that you can get back by delegating what seems like an innocuous 10, 15, 20, maybe 30 minute task. And even if you're not using email marketing every single day, the examples are everywhere in business. If you're sending invoices, if you're pulling any kind of marketing data, previously when I was originally coming up through internet marketing, I ended up owning uh, my own marketing firm called uh, Tim Francis Marketing. It doesn't exist anymore. And we were doing funnels for real estate developers. And I was just astounded how much time I was spending going into the different analytics tools to pull data. And yes, there are aggregating apps that bring data together, but at some point there's still a human interaction to grab that data, paste it into a report or add some text or take screenshots of which split test is working to what level inside of AdWords and to bring that all together in a report for a client. So whether, whether you've got an e-commerce company, whether you're an agency, whether you're doing marketing for your own firm, I mean, it doesn't matter. Sooner or later, there is going to be those rinse, wash, repeat tasks that come up and they seem innocuous, but they really add up. And what I recommend people do, this is so old school, Doug, like it's so old school that it's almost easy to say, ah, yeah, it sounds like silly. But no kidding, if all you did for one day was every 15 minutes, have your have a little alarm go off on your desktop or maybe on your watch or something, and just know what is it that I'm doing right now? And and go one step further than listing the tool. Like don't say email, don't say WordPress or Infusionsoft or something. Go one step further and say, what are you doing in that tool? So I'm in my email inbox and what I'm doing is customer service or I'm in my email inbox and what I'm doing is negotiating a contract, something like that. And sure. at, the, at the end of the day, when you circle back, put a D next to anything that you could delegate. Notice anything that is under $20 an hour type work put an H next to anything that you hate doing <laughs> and notice the frequency. And across those three or four dimensions, you'll see very quickly, oh my God, I could absolutely begin handing this off. And this is just it, is it's not a question of getting an assistant and offloading your life all in the first 10 minutes. <laughs> it never works. It's about just noticing what are the first three tasks. Yeah, what are, you, what are you spending your time on, right? And does it move the sales dial? Yeah, absolutely. And I'll tell you what, what moves the sales dial is when you can be in marketing strategy. And whether that's for yourself, for your own company, or if you're working in someone else's business, 
when you're in high level skill, coming up with an offer, coming up with a marketing calendar, that kind of thing. And when you're in high level access, maybe you're brokering joint venture deals with other people to get lists to send your offer to. So the more that we can keep you marketing professionals in that high level skill, high level access and strategy, the more money that you're going to make, the more fulfillment you're going to enjoy from your work and the bigger impact you're going to make on those that you serve. Well, and it was funny because as I was listening to you talk about the email stuff, I'm going, you've done it at least once <laughs> because that's that's the process. And and what I've learned was is that, you know, it doesn't have to be overly complicated with all the apps you can get now, whether they're free or paid. Like you said, that 10 minute task, I can capture, I can do a screen capture. Yep. Yep. And I can share that with somebody who watched me here. I opened up Buffer. I, this is how I loaded my social media site. I give them access through LastPass so they can get into the software. And now I don't have to do that anymore. Yeah, it's unbelievable. Like the things that you and I get to do now, Doug, didn't exist five years ago or 10 years ago. And the fact that you can go and grab Loom, L-O-O-M, the free plugin for Gmail, and it will record your desktop and immediately create a link that you can send off to an assistant. That's unbelievable. That used to be impossible like 15 years ago. And even five years ago, you'd have to pay for a license for something from like Camtasia or ScreenFlow. And yep, now it's exactly. mind-blowing. Yeah, yeah you're three or $400. It takes up a huge amount of memory. It takes forever to load. And it was a nuisance to send it. You couldn't send the link. So I, we just heard a, a guy who was at an event down in uh, Reading, Pennsylvania. His name is Fabio Viviani. And he's a restaurateur. And he talked about systems because he grew his business from nothing to just about $2 billion a year now running restaurants and opening up hotels. And, and he talked all about systems. And at the end of that, he, he said basically exactly what you said. If you're, if you're doing something over and over and over again, you, you know, you should be, you should be delegating that and sticking to just what your superpower is, whatever that is in your business, whether it's sales or like you said, strategy. So what do you think, you know, is the biggest reason that people, you know, the people that are listening to this podcast, they go, Hey man, that sounds really good. Tim's really smart. And that's a great idea. And they're not going to implement. What do you think the biggest thing holding them back is? Yeah. So I actually, I know the answer to this. We surveyed 149 entrepreneurs and we asked them, what is your single biggest frustration or challenge in getting a great assistant? And I thought there was going to be dozens and dozens and dozens of different buckets of answers. And Doug, there were six. That's it. So 98.7% of entrepreneurs had one or many of the big six concerns. And the number one of the big six concerns was actually, I don't know how to trust and let go of control. That was literally number one, heads and tails above absolutely everything else. And I get it. Like, I absolutely get it. My For the first five and a half years of me having an assistant, it's like I had an assistant, didn't have an assistant, had an assistant, didn't have an assistant, <laughs> right? It was Groundhog Day over and over and over again. Yeah. And, and, it, yeah. and it was also boomerang tasks, right? I would, I would say, hey, take care of this. And they would do it and it would come back all wrong. Or it would come back and it was done right, but it was in the wrong direction, right? <laughs> Just like... Or you take it or you take it back. Right. Yeah. And you're like, why did I even bother delegating this in the first place? Because yeah. I've just spent three times as much fixing it. I should have just done it myself. And then it begs the question, why do I even have an assistant? And so, I, you know, I went through that over and over and over and over and over and over again. And so I don't blame anyone who's been through that before for feeling like, you know what, it's just not worth it. I don't, I don't, I can't trust anyone to do this job. So you know, uh, we come across that all the time. And we actually find that the people who are the most successful are those who've actually taken a shot at having an assistant before. And it actually didn't work out because now they, they, they have a more sober view 
of what it means to not just get an assistant, but to keep an assistant and to be effective with an assistant. Like there's a lot of famous books that have been written over the last 15, 20 years, especially the last 10 years that talk about how uh, getting a virtual assistant is just the answer, right? And it's just, oh, it's so great. Just go to the India or the Philippines and everything will be perfect. And that's what I believed. I just didn't know any better. And what I discovered after my first failure with an assistant was that at least 50% of the problem was not with the assistant, but was with me, that I didn't know how to delegate and I didn't know how to lead and manage them. And so that's why we built Great Assistant to be all three legs of the stool. It's not just getting an assistant, but it's also helping you to delegate and manage and lead as well. That makes sense because I've heard people on both sides of the equation that, hey, my assistant didn't work. And then I've had other guys that I know really well and they're going like, I'm having trouble, like you said, uh, letting go of this and and handing it over and and training and managing opposed to micromanaging and, and, you know, taking the task back. Absolutely. So do you guys provide training then for your clients? So walk us through kind of the process. So, you know, you, it sounds like you can help help us find the right assistant, but then the biggest part is not going to be the assistant. The biggest part, the biggest problem sounds like it's going to be the entrepreneur or the C-level guy who is not used to delegating and, and giving those tasks away. Yeah. And, and I think for each person, it's going to be a little bit different in terms of which leg do they need the most help with. Um, some people are really good at um, managing and delegating. They just need a great assistant. So, and what we do is we will we'll do the equivalent of about 5,200 hours of work screening, and we'll take a look at the equivalent of about 5,200 candidates to come down to two to three finalists to eventually find one winner. And so w- whether anyone ever hires us or not, uh, hopefully you can use those as benchmarks for what a good hiring funnel looks like. Just like there's funnels in marketing, there's also funnels in hiring. <laughs> when we start with a lot of people at the top and come down with a few winners at the bottom. And we're using the Colby Index. We're using something called Hire Select, which is an enterprise level tool that most likely a little too expensive for anyone who's just hiring an assistant or two. We're using a handful of different assessment tools in combination. And we have a, getting to have a huge amount of experience um, one of our tools, in fact, we can compare against the database of 300,000 other administrative assistants, project managers, and ex- uh, executive assistants to take a look at the fit of any particular candidate. So all of that is going into our process of finding the greatest system. Now, if someone doesn't have access to those kinds of tools, there's other things you can do. I put together something called the perfect job posting. Um, and again, if anyone ever, you know, even if you don't work for, uh, work with us on getting an assistant, I've got a, a toolbox. It's at greatassistant.com forward slash toolbox. And in that toolbox, I have the perfect job posting. And it's simply put, I'll give you the, the very Cliff's Notes version of this is when you put up your job posting, you ask the candidates to reply to you with an email. And that email, the first, first of all, it has a subject line that's very specific. And then in the body, there's the first paragraph is in blue font, 12 point Verdana. Second paragraph is red font, Arial, 11 point. Third paragraph, black, uh, Times New Roman, nine point. And so as you're getting dozens and dozens, maybe even hundreds of applications coming in, all you got to do is look at the subject line. And if they don't get that right, just delete it. If, and for the, <laughs> right. And, and, yeah. and I have, and I have, and I suggest if you're going to do this on your own, that you set up a custom email inbox. So maybe it's, jobs at your business.com or if it's gmail like you know you know hiring my business at gmail.com and just set up the vacation auto reply to say we've received your application thank you for your interest if you haven't heard back from us in the next three days 
consider yourself to not have made the shortlist. And so that way you can still be classy and professional and get back to absolutely every person who, who applies you know, as a thank you for them, them spending time to apply. And so if they don't get the subject line right, you just delete them. If they do, you open up the email, but you don't even read the content. You just scan it to see if they got the red, black, and blue right. If they didn't get that right, you just delete them. And you'll be astounded at how many applicants can't even get that right. And whether they can't get it right because they don't have attention to detail, they don't know how to follow instructions, or they're not motivated, any of those three reasons is enough to disqualify someone for our search. <laughs> and no judgment, just if, you, if you're not in the right spot intellectually, sure. cognitively, affectively in terms of motivation, then, then perfect, no problem. Like we're just not a fit for you. So I know that we have enterprise level tools that aren't available to people doing this on their own. And I always wanna make sure people have good tools and takeaways from hearing anytime I, I, I present, including in a, a podcast like this. So I encourage folks to, to check that out. And um, we also have another in that same toolbox, uh, something called 360 Delegation. And so I have uh, spent a lot of hours struggling, trying to learn how to delegate. And just out of bare necessity, I invented this tool called 360 Delegation. And it's very simple. It's, it's vision, resources, and definition of done. So when you're delegating, and it doesn't matter whether you're delegating through a tool like Slack or whether it's in a Loom video or even, I've even 360 delegated something to my assistant over a voicemail message when I was like stuck and I didn't have my laptop and there was no internet connection, <laughs> it was real dicey. And I just followed the process. And so vision is what do I want done? What are the milestones along the way? And how can the assistant see a sample of success? And that is a huge 80-20 shortcut right there is if you want your assistant to send an invoice, show them a sample of success. Yeah, that if makes sense. If you want your assistant to help upload a podcast episode, show them a sample of success. So, and there's a few other items in there. Uh, in resources, it's like, what kind of access do they need? Usernames, passwords. Is there any kind of training that they're going to need? There's a whole list. There's probably about 20 items um, in the 360 delegation checklist. And then thirdly is definition of done. So... What does success look like? Are there sign-offs that are required by the client? Maybe by me? Is there, you know, do me as the person delegating the work, do I need to double check the work before it goes live? And that's actually a big, another 80-20 trick right there is if you're to make a list of the things that you don't think that you can delegate and theoretically you made that list from there, if you were to then say, okay, well, what if I got to double check the work before it went live? then you would actually find that you'd be able to delegate a lot more if you had the peace of mind knowing that you got to double check the work before it goes live. So those are just a couple tools that are in that de uh, delegation toolbox at greatassistant.com forward slash toolbox. That's awesome. I'll make sure the uh, link is in the show notes. And as you were saying, you know, you have the peace of mind knowing that you have a chance to delegate it. I remember when David Allen's book came out, um, Getting mm. Things Done. And I remember looking through that and the, the biggest takeaway for me was that if we had a place that we knew we could put everything that needed to be done and we wouldn't lose it, it would free our mind to do other things. Mm. And I went, wow, that's, that's it. That's the, that's the thing they need to do with our staff is when they're standing on the side of the soccer field, I don't want them thinking about, oh, I got to pick up this thing for work. Or if they're at work, I don't want to think, hey, I got to get my daughter's ballet slippers. Just find a way to record it so you know it's done. It's a trusted system and you can carry on and it frees your mind from that worry. Yeah. And a tool a lot of people use is, is some people use Voxer. You can also inside of something like WhatsApp, if you want to just record a voice note or even, even Apple iMessage. I'm not wild about using text messages with our teammates for a few reasons. One is it's tough to organize the information as it comes in. 
and yep. recall it. And secondly, is I actually do want both me and my assistant to have a separation in our brains between our personal lives and our business lives. I just think that's healthier. And so if we can agree that Voxer is for business or WhatsApp is for business and then text messages for personal matters only, like if I want to celebrate with them, you know, congratulations on your wedding anniversary or congratulations on your child's fifth birthday or something. I want to make sure that we can kind of have that division. And so that also if there's a true emergency, like I mean medical emergency and they receive a text message from me, they know that this is like, oh, we can't put this off. Like this is something that needs to be responded to immediately. Yeah, that makes sense. Otherwise, it's the blur. They just get this this constant, uh, you know, uh, barrage of text messages that are coming in, and they just think it's just another message. Yeah, and if you want, if a person's a fan of the getting things done system, you can just have your assistant read the book, getting things done, and let your assistant know that you're going to send a near stream of consciousness list of ideas over the course of the day, and they don't have to take action on any of them. They can put them just all in the David Allen inbox. That inbox could look like a Trello board, for example, or an entry in teamwork, uh, project management software, any of the tools out there. And then from there, you can set up a rhythm where once a week, you and your assistant have, if you're familiar with Scrum project management or that terminology, we would call it like backlog grooming or some kind of like sprint planning, or we'd say, okay, of all the ideas you sent me in the last seven days, what would you like to put on the calendar for next week? That kind of thing. Yeah. So what are you most excited about in the next six to 12 months? I mean, you've got lots going on. You shared a little bit before you got on air, some of the stuff that you've been doing, which is which is a pretty intense schedule of dinner parties. So what what just wakes you up first thing in the morning? You're so excited to get going. Mm. Wow. I love this question. When I'm actually networking at events, the question I ask people, and it, it, it can occasionally be a bit of a dangerous question, is what's getting you excited these days? <laughs> so, <laughs> sometimes people look at me a little sideways like, what do you mean? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, okay, in the context of business. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, right. Exactly. We're going to get ourselves in trouble here. So yeah, I mean, I am, I am super passionate about a few things, one of which is, is actually our dinner parties. You know, Doug, this is going to sound probably pretty funny, maybe even kind of silly, but like, I think it was like six or seven years ago, I was like, you know what, when I grow up, I want to be an old rich guy. And, and I was like, hmm, so what does that mean? That means right now I'm an old rich guy in training. (laughs) And, And if I'm an old rich guy in training, what does an old rich guy do when he's in training? And I realized that hosting dinner parties, like I just imagine like fancy, wealthy people, uh, that are in their later stages of their life, just sitting around and having a lovely dinner party. And so, so for fun and kind of like tongue in cheek, I started hosting dinner parties when I was up in Canada, which is where I'm from. And I hosted probably six or eight of them. And uh, at one point, my friend Tan Pham from AsianEfficiency.com, which is an amazing website dedicated to personal productivity, talk about getting things done. Oh my goodness! If, if you're a fan of GTD, make sure you check out AsianEfficiency.com. And so Tan had actually come up to visit me. He's a friend of mine. And I hosted him as the guest of honor at this dinner party. And we had such a good time, all of us, the, the 10 Canadian entrepreneurs plus Tan, that when I, when I got a place in Austin, Tan said, dude, we should totally host these regularly, exactly like you hosted me up in Canada. We should do this down in Austin. And so we've now done that. And uh, presently, we're in a stretch of doing three dinner parties in eight days. And these dinner parties are no joke. Like I hired a professional interior designer 
to make sure that my apartment looks awesome. We call them skyline dinner parties because I'm on the 15th floor downtown Austin overlooking Ladybird Lake, which is a gorgeous view, gorgeous, gorgeous view. So we actually have a view of the skyline and I have ceiling to floor windows, which are just spectacular to be able to look out. And the dinners, it's like we have this beautiful process that, you know, so behind the scenes at three o'clock, our hostess shows up and she starts shining the cutlery or the the flatware and uh, ironing the linen napkins. Then at four o'clock, the host cleaner arrives and gets the place tidy. And then at five o'clock, we had, we cut a deal with a local restaurant called True, True Food, amazing healthy food. And um, they arrive with all the food at five o'clock and we had them, True Food, teach our hostess, Mandy, how to plate the food so it looks just like True Food. And then at six o'clock, our first guests arrive and we stand on the, the balcony with a glass of champagne or beverage of choice. And that's from uh, six till seven. Seven o'clock, we start our first course uh, with uh, actually gratitude and then introductions. And we've got people who've flown in like literally from North, all over North America to come to the dinner. So sometimes the stories that people have are just amazing. And one of the defining unique parts of the whole experience is something called the big ask. So the big ask is from 8.45 p.m. until about 10.15 p.m. And, uh, and we actually, we bribe people a little bit. We, we tell them if we finish on time by 10.15 p.m., we'll open a bottle of rare Canadian ice wine which is so <laughs> delicious. And so we always finish on time, which is really great. And so during the big ask, we are inviting each person to share a project that they're really passionate about. And it could be in any domain. It could be business or personal. And from there, what their ask is of the room. Now, we're not looking for storytelling or masterminding or coaching or consulting. We're just straight up looking for introductions. And so all this happened when we had two guests sitting next to each other one day. This is before we figured out to have the big ask. And one guy had a charity that supported inner city youth in Austin to see that there was there, there were more ways to improve their circumstances than sports, music, or drugs. And so he's teaching them about entrepreneurship and investing and, and other paths like that. And so as he was sharing his, his passion project, the guy next to him, no kidding, said, oh my God, one of my top clients is, is an investor and is looking for an opportunity to invest to support inner city youth in Austin. Wow. And, and so Tan and I, at the end of every dinner party, you know, people leave at about 10.30 or 11 each night. We'll actually spend one to two hours after every dinner and we'll do a retrospective. So again, that's scrum terminology for those of you who are geekish like I am that way. And we'll take a look back and say, what could improve? And no kidding, we realized how many dinner parties, I think at that point we'd had 10 or 12 dinner parties, how many opportunities had gone by where people's lives could have been changed. And yet we missed the opportunity because we never set the stage for people to share what was on their heart. So since then, during the big ask section, yes, we've had people say things like, I'm looking for an opportunity to get on more stages. We've had people say, I'm looking for mentorship. I'm looking to raise money. And that's all perfect and fantastic and valuable. And we love creating introductions around that. We have also had people unexpectedly say things like, I'm looking to adopt kids. Do you know wow. anyone who's done it before? I have an illness I've told almost no one about, and I can't find a specialist who can help me with this. Who do you recommend? So when I look at like the level, whether it's business or personal, of like how deeply 
like it's a freaking dinner party. You would think it's like a nice time, but not that big of a deal. Yeah. But as soon as we introduced the big ask, instantly this took what was you know, kind of like a like a wedding is a one day thing, but a marriage is a lifetime. Like we're able to take the impact from a nice, pleasant evening for some guy who's a rich guy, old rich guy in training, you know, like kind of tongue in cheek. You know, it's gone from that to being actually life changing because I really believe that anything we want in life, whether that's healing or success or impact contribution, anything like that is only one or two introductions away. And because we all know the 80, 20 rule, like you don't have to know everyone on the planet. You just need to know a few of the right people and our skyline dinner parties allowed that to happen. So I'll, I'll actually open up as an open invitation to all of your listeners, Doug, and to you personally, if, if anyone's interested in coming to a skyline dinner party, you can send us an email. Can't promise you I can get you in. We're already booking three, four months in advance here. But if you know that you're coming to Austin, send us an email and fingers crossed, hopefully we can get fellow entrepreneurs who are listening to your podcast, Doug, into one of our dinner parties. That's amazing. And you know, like you said, you just never know who's in the room. One of the speakers at this event was a guy by the name of Chuck uh, Balsamo, and he was talking about bucket lists like privately with, the, with mm -hmm. the rest of the speakers. And I said, I don't really believe in bucket lists. I just kind of believe in doing stuff and crossing it off. And he said, really? I said, well, I, okay, I do have one thing on my bucket list, but I've never really shared it. And he goes, well, what's in your bucket list? So this is the first time I shared it in my podcast as well. I said, I want to be knighted by the queen. No way. And that's what he said. And he goes, do you have a business card? I said, yeah. He goes, my buddy works at this, you know, and he tell, told me where his buddy works. And this is who he reports to the Pope. And he said, and he has an audience, the queen once a week. He said, I think I can make that happen. <laughs> and you're Canadian just like me. So we're already under the queen. <laughs> yep. So I'm going like, I, this is like, who would have thought, right? I mean, we were just, you know, half a dozen guys sitting around having a beer, having a conversation. He goes, no, I'm serious. He goes, have you, have you saved anyone's life? I went, no. He goes, are you a, a famous musician? I said, no. He said, okay. So let me make the call, figure out what the process is. And then you and I need to get back on a call. Maybe I'll fly to Vancouver and hang out with you. We need to figure out your story. Wow. So who knows, right? You just, you, like you said, the big ask and, uh, you know, the, the person sitting beside you at your dinner party in Austin, looking at the skyline might be able to make that introduction to solve that problem or fulfill that dream or whatever it is that you want to do. I love that. I absolutely love that. And if the subject matter of our dinner parties wasn't so personal and intimate, I'd love to share with you some incredible stories in that realm. But I'll just say that like, We've done 28 dinner parties. Tonight is dinner party 20, number 29 is tonight. 28 was last night. 29 is tonight. <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy as that sounds. And, and I'll, I'll tell you that, yeah, like stuff of that caliber happens all the time. It is super, super cool. And so I, I don't want to leave people hanging. If they want to send us an email uh, to see if they can get on a list to possibly come to a dinner party, you can just email me, tim at greatassistant.com. And uh, I don't handle my own email inbox. It's my my assistants who read it first. So don't, you know, I mean, don't send me any super, super confidential information just yet. <laughs> but <laughs> but uh, that that is how you could reach out to us if you'd like to to be put on a list. So what does the subject line need to be and what color fonts we need to use? <laughs> <laughs> uh, Doug, that's awesome. Yeah, I mean, in the subject line, if you just put something like um, interested in Skyline Dinner Party, that would be great. <laughs> that, 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 would, that would get it done. And, and if you're off by a character or two, we won't delete you. Okay, there we go. That's funny. Well, I mean, you did mention that there's been a number of authors write about assistance. So I'm going to steal a quote from Tim Ferriss or a question from Tim Ferriss. 
So, you know, in your business of helping people hire great assistants that make, you know, a major impact on their business, what's the bad advice that you hear at, not your dinner parties, but obviously but at other dinner parties when you're out, when people talk about hiring a, hiring a VA? Horrible idea is going on Facebook and saying and posting up, hey, who knows someone? That's bad advice number one. Bad advice number two is hiring the first person that you meet, irrespective of how you find them. Like a huge part of our success with each and every hire is just the sheer volume of people that we go through. Like no kidding, the equivalent of 50 to 100 applicants to come up with two to three finalists to get one winner. And I keep saying the equivalent of because we have economies of scale and if an assistant doesn't fit quite with one entrepreneur, sometimes we can put into the second entrepreneur. So we, you know, we've we've hired 239 or 240 assistants now. So it's not like we've done 22,400 applications. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like if you're to multiply that by 100, but for someone doing it themselves who doesn't have our economies of scale, like if you're not looking at, I mean, dozens and dozens of candidates, then you're there's a, you're really at risk. So that's, I would say that's a, some really bad advice that I oftentimes hear is hire the first person like, oh, just quick and dirty. Like, oh my God, quick and dirty is great if you have such a tiny project that only happens once and you're not really needing to count on this person. There's, there's a huge difference between an assistant who's going to be your great assistant versus someone who's just kind of like a one-off project contractor. Yeah. So like, I actually think it's a great idea to go overseas if you are going to be delegating work that happens every week or every month and is a simple task that doesn't require a lot of decision making. So when I analyze a situation, I'll take a look at what what is it that needs to be delegated that is a simple task. So that would be something like send an invoice. What's a little tougher than that would be a simple decision. So that would be like booking a hotel or an Airbnb. There's a few decisions to be made, like, you know, how, how many, uh, what was the location, what's the price? Like, there's some kind of guidelines that we can put around that. The next level of difficulty up from that is a hard decision. So, actually, booking a flight, believe it or not, is a hard decision. There's so many if this then that type scenarios that are on this huge hierarchy that it's actually quite difficult. So, for example, if I were to try and figure out what flight to book for you, like, let's say I was your great assistant, Doug, I would need to know do you prefer aisle or row? Is it more important that you're at the front of the plane or you don't care if you're a little further back? Is it more important to you that we have, uh, if we buy with cash or credit card versus points? Are there certain carriers that you hate? Are there times of day that you don't want to fly? Is it more important that you spend as much time in your home city and therefore you want to show up the day of the event? Or is it more important that you get a great night's sleep by getting there a day early? Like there's so many different criteria and we, and if someone doesn't, have doesn't get to know you there's no way that they could possibly do that job accurately so the next step up from a hard decision is something called an outcome so my assistant's been with me long enough now that she can i can actually say to her i'd like to have a dinner party on you know june 30th and that's all i have to say and she takes care of everything i could literally not even mention it again until june 30th when I walk into my apartment and all the people are there. Yes, I'm still involved with high-level access, right? Because that's one of the three things that we keep. And so high-level access for me is like texting people who I think should come to the dinner party. So like last night, we had Brian Levesque, the founder of the Ask Method, best-selling author, Inc. 500 company. We had uh, Roger Hamilton, founder of the Wealth Dynamics Test. We had, like, it was an amazing crowd. And I have high-level access to a lot of these people. 
And so that was part of my job for the dinner party last night. But but everything else, I mean, that is not my job. It just isn't. It used to be my job once upon a time. And I think this is an important respect piece is to respect every single task, everything from the surgery that the surgeon does to emptying the trash in the surgery room. It is all critical work. And I think the more respect that you have for every single level of task, the more effective you'll be at hiring and delegating and leading. So I get that 100%. Like if the food doesn't show up, we got a problem, right? Yep. So all of it is important. It's the question is just what's appropriate for me to be doing. And so I just I just really feel like the more that we can uh, have respect for the whole the whole hierarchy, the better off that we are. So yeah, in terms of just the 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 good advice versus the bad advice is, I think that there's a time and a place for an overseas assistant. I think there really is. I think though, if you're looking to get someone who's going to be your right hand person, the second half of your brain, someone who anticipates what you need before you even ask for it, you've got no choice but to hire someone from similar same time zone, similar same culture, same first language. So if if someone is in Australia or New Zealand, don't hire an American or a Canadian. Hire in Australia or New Zealand. You know, someone who's English speaking, similar same culture, similar same time zone. Right? If you're in the United States or Canada. Hire someone in the United States or Canada to be your right-hand executive assistant. Similar same time zone, similar same uh, culture, same first language. doesn't have to be like mountain time zone is mountain time zone. I mean, if, if you're in Pacific, Eastern is fine, most likely, right? Yep. But to have someone with those three attributes, the culture, time zone, and language, you immediately solve. I mean, like at least 40% of the misunderstandings, maybe 50% of the misunderstandings that are happening. And- I think the other thing that people don't realize is how affordable it can be. A lot of the posted virtual assistant services out there are charging like $35 to $50 an hour for a North American assistant. No kidding. We regularly, and I mean every single week, we're hiring uh, talent for $17 to $20 US dollars an hour. That's all it takes because people love the opportunity to work from home. They'll take a pay cut. Oftentimes, they'll have a spouse who can take care of their insurance needs in the United States. Or, and or carry a lot of like the, you know, the, the big paycheck of the household. And also, like, even if they don't, they've done the math and they're going, wow, if I don't have to pay for childcare, which can be like $2,000 a month, I don't have to deal with driving and being in traffic two hours a day, at least. I don't have to pay for food. I don't have to pay for wardrobe. I don't have to do all the things that are involved with going to a nine to five downtown they go, wow, it's actually not that much of a pay cut to be now making $20 an hour as a virtual executive assistant working from home. Sure. Yeah. No parking, no, no, you know, work clothes. I mean, yeah, I know we like to shop, but we don't have to every day. I mean, lots of times you can uh, be in your comfortable clothes while you're sitting behind your computer working. Yeah. Well, I know that my, my clothing budget cut in half because all my video meetings require me to look good on the top at the bottom. It's you work with Alberta Sports every single day, man. <laughs> Most of my clothing uh, right now is a fellow Canadian appreciator, Lululemon. So it's normally go, go to the gym in the morning, sit on my gym gear, work till about noon and go, yeah, I should really get out of the stinky gear and get showered up and go back to work. So I get, I get more dressed up for my five to nine, which is hosting dinner parties. than I do for <laughs> Well, I think the other, the other bad advice that I hear, and I think it applies to just about everything in business is that it didn't work. Hmm. 
And, you know, if you compare that to people in sports, I mean, and I heard Gary Vee say it, just because Facebook advertising didn't work for you doesn't mean it doesn't work. It means it didn't work for you at that time. Mm. So just because you hired an assistant before and it didn't work doesn't mean that hiring VAs doesn't work. It means it doesn't work. It didn't work for you. So, you know, you know, what went wrong? Did you hire the wrong person? Do you not understand, like, to your point, how to delegate and how to let go of that? You know, look at the most successful baseball players, how many times they strike out before they get a grand slam. Sure. In business, we expect that every time we get up to bat, hit a hit a grand slam, which is just an unrealistic expectation. So, yeah, and I mean, if you talk to a lot of people, uh, Ryan was saying this around our dinner table last night, and pretty much everyone was nodding their head in, in agreement. Is like your first hire should be an executive assistant. Like, maybe I mean, I'm always careful to say for everyone in every situation all the time. Um, but I mean, most people, most of the time, as an entrepreneur, if you're if you're a solo entrepreneur right now your best next hire is most likely an executive assistant because they will come in and they will have the same jack of all trades presence that you do that they're not limited to being a marketing assistant. They're not limited to being an accounting or bookkeeping assistant or a production assistant. Like, I mean, they are there and they might help you schedule broadcast right now and 20 minutes from now, send an invoice, which is two different functions. One's marketing, one's administration, right? Then after that, they might actually be part of the fulfillment. You know, if you've got a marketing agency and you need to duplicate a landing page for a split test, your assistant could go in and actually be a part of the production of your company, right? So sure. the executive yep. assistant is intended to float between functions. Before you go and hire specialists, I would way rather help you become the surgeon of the room. That's way more important is to get you up to being the surgeon. And we do that by getting an executive assistant. Then after that, we can go and hire other specialists after the fact. And part of the reason is specialists are just way more expensive. An executive assistant at seventeen to twenty dollars an hour. If you were to take off your plate a marketing specialist task, I mean that's very easily forty to one hundred and fifty dollars an hour. Like something like copywriting, for example, data analysis, maybe even some harder coding type stuff. Like that's all forty to one hundred and fifty dollars an hour work. And if you could hand that off your plate at that cost, or hand off sending invoices which is a $20 an hour task, maybe even only $17 an hour task, like obviously, right? What is going to give you the bigger bang for your buck? And I, I observed in, on my own path as I was coming up and what we now observe with our clients all the time is this phenomenon I call the positive profit loop. So I know that I was charging 40 bucks an hour as a solo marketing consultant many years ago. And I, I had just come off an illness where I actually couldn't walk for three months. I'd lost $120,000 in, in a combination of real estate and a bad mentoring arrangement. And, um, and I, you know, had messed up my first couple assistant processes. Like it didn't work out. And I came out of that and, uh, I really, really, really didn't have the money. I didn't have the money to get an assistant. I didn't know what I'd delegate first and I didn't know where to find them. And yet I knew like I just had this huge scare. I think I was 27 or 28 years old. It was 2011, January. And, and I went, oh my God, I went from being a touring drummer who, you know, was selected and, and played at the Western Canadian Music Awards. And I had, you know, uh, you know, four homes in the, in real estate investing to having like nothing, right? Like to the point I couldn't even walk. I had to move back in with my parents full time. And, 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 and in that moment, I just realized how precious life was. And I realized that if I was ever going to fulfill my potential in this lifetime, that I'd have to get help, that life was a team sport and business is a team sport. Yep. And I had already been burnt 
you know, a couple times trying to get assistance before, and yet there was no turning back, Doug. I was like, if I've been burnt two times, I got to try a third. If I've been burnt 10 times, I got to try 11, like whatever it takes, right? Yeah. And so, yeah. you know, I would listen to Perry Marshall podcasts, not podcasts, but uh, trainings in my earbuds while I was painting houses, because that was my first ever business when I was 19, was I had a College Pro Painters franchise, hated every minute of it, but it taught me so much. And so when I could walk again, I started painting houses again. It's kind of the fastest way I knew how to make money. And I was charging 20 bucks an hour and I'd listen to podcasts and I would work from kind of 10 a.m. until 5 p.m. on my brand new marketing company called Tim Francis Marketing. And then after that, I would eat dinner and then I would go and paint in the evening. Now, the one condition I had with my painting clients, I told them, look, I'm going to charge you $20 an hour, which is half the price of most painters. You're going to get the cleanest, quietest, and most perfect paint job you've ever seen. I'm like, I'm pretty meticulous when it comes to detail. And they said, that's exciting. And I said, there's one catch. And they'd say, well, what's that? And I said, the one catch is you have to allow me to paint anytime that I want, day or night. And they said, okay, fine. And I think they thought that meant that I'd show up at like 6 p.m. and paint till 10. What they didn't realize is what that meant is I'm going to show up at 10 p.m. and I'm going to paint till 6 a.m. And so I would paint through the night and I would listen to podcasts and, and, uh, and then also Perry Marshall training on marketing. And I'd sleep from, you know, 7am until maybe 10, 11am. And then I'd wake up and I would do my, my marketing business, which is brand new. So I was taking $20 an hour income and I was working, hustling, grinding to be able to turn that into $40 an hour income, which was my marketing work. Once that happened, I then hired Sarah and she took just five hours a week off my plate, which I then used to go to my clients. And I said to my clients, Hey, you know, I'm doing AdWords for you. I think we would be in better shape if I could actually create a custom landing page. It would really help our click-through rate. And clients would say, oh, that sounds good. What's it going to cost me? And I said, well, 40 bucks an hour, a couple hours of work, cost you 80 bucks. They say, it sounds good. Let's do it. So what would I do with those $80? Would I buy a new pair of jeans? No. I took that money and I gave it to Sarah. And I said, okay, Sarah, instead of five hours a week, you're not going to work for me for six hours a week if you're up for it. She said, yes. So now I had a little more time. So what did I do at that time? I did not relax. I did not, you know, go play some ice hockey up in Canada. What I did is I went to my clients and I said to my clients, Hey, I've got some extra time now. And I noticed that we're doing AdWords. We've now got this landing page. We'd be a lot better off if we could have a lead magnet that we could set up for you. And they said, Oh, that's interesting. What is it? So I'd explain it. And they'd say, what's that going to cost me? And I'd say, Oh, it'd take me about 20 hours to, to write it for you, research, write it, whatever. At $40 now, that's about $800. They said, well, Tim, you've done a great job for us so far. Let's go for it. So what did I do with those $800? Did I go for a weekend trip to Vancouver? No. What I did is I gave it to Sarah. And I said, Sarah, $800 extra instead of six hours or seven hours a week, uh, would you be willing to work for 10 hours a week? She said, yes. What did I do with the 10 extra hours of time? Did I go on a weekend vacation? No. What I did is I went back to my clients, right? And just like piece by piece by piece by, I was just this pendulum back and forth, this positive profit loop back and forth. And I was just getting more and more time and money until the point that I could afford to go to higher level events. And I went to uh, Perry's $3,500 you know, plus flights and accommodations consultant accelerators called Rainmaker Alchemist. This is like five, six years ago now. And you know that allowed me to network at higher level events. So now I'm both increasing my skill level so I can charge more per hour. Plus I'm also in the room with people who can afford higher and uh, higher costs for projects. And continued to hire Sarah more and more and more, continued to reinvest in my education and my access to hire uh, to more successful people who had bigger budgets. And before I knew it, here, there I was charging $35,000 to build a single funnel for a real estate developer. 
And that positive profit loop just continued back and forth and back and forth to the point where today I actually don't have that agency anymore. I found that the kind of business that I wanted was just different. And so today I don't charge $40 an hour for consulting. When I do private CEO consulting behind the scenes, I actually charge $1,000 an hour. I'm now a regular contributor in Forbes. I've been a guest lecturer at NYU. And none of that would have been possible had I not taken that first step of getting Sarah to take over uploading podcast episodes, uploading blog posts, and sending invoices to customers. That's it. That's how it began with just those three tasks that seem so, you know, kind of lame, boring, not sexy, but that was the beginning that triggered the whole positive profit loop. Well, it's great because you shared, you know, your your start. And I hear so many podcasters talk about how much work it is. I went, you know, I don't know how to edit the audio. They go, how do you do it? I hire someone to do it. So, I mean, the, that's a perfect example, like you said, how you started... <laughs> you know, sick and, 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 and trying to rebuild your business and step by step, you just built that by getting right people around you as a team and leverage that to now you're a, an old rich guy in training. Yeah. <laughs> Living the dream. Yeah. In downtown Austin, Texas. Yeah. And I'm also excited to come home to Canada right away. Just next week, uh, I'll be in Canada for Canada day, which will be a lot of fun. Yeah. Right on. That's so, so cool. I just want to say, hey, thanks so much for taking time today. I mean, you, you've you shared a lot of valuable information. And hey, listeners, this this makes sense to me. I've got an assistant. I've got a couple of VAs, you know, both local and, and overseas. And it's made a huge difference in the business and my life and lifestyle. Because you, like you said, you get to spend time and do the things that you should do as well, which is host dinner parties. So thanks, Tim. Now, where can people track you down and uh, connect with you? Yeah. So to grab the free resources I mentioned, it's at greatassistant.com forward slash toolbox. If you'd like to uh, throw your name on the list for the dinner party, uh, the Skyline dinner party, just email tim at greatassistant.com. And if you're curious in doing a strategy session with our team, um, the good news is, is you wouldn't pay $1,000 an hour to work with me directly. We've got a team of five people who help to, you know, will help you to determine if our program could be a fit for you or not. Um, it's no charge for that strategy session. And again, you can just email Tim at greatassistant.com. And then uh, my assistant will help direct that to our team. We'll be happy to get on a call with you. And whether you just got 15, 20 minutes for a quick call, or if you want to do a bit of a deeper dive over the course of 30 to 60 minutes, they would meet with you for up to 60 minutes to hear about your situation. And they'll be listening for three things. They'll be li- listening for fit, timing, and profitability, because we never want to get into a, a project where we're helping to get an assistant if it's not a fit. Also, if the timing isn't right, so if you're in the middle of a launch, like that's not a great time to onboard an assistant because it just takes some time to, to onboard any team member for that matter. And then also profitability. So if, if, we, if we're not convinced that getting an assistant will actually be a profit center for you, then, uh, then we'll probably be the ones to suggest that we not work together. It's so important that there's a path to profitability because if your assistant is just an expense in your mind, then, then that's not that that just doesn't work. You need to figure out how your assistant can actually become a profit center. And a secret to all of that is figuring out how your relationship with the assistant becomes the profit center. Even if them themselves, you know, it costs you money, you got to follow the pos- positive profit loop like I described. And now if you're not a consultant and you don't have that clear spread of paying the assistant $20 an hour and you charging $40 an hour, no problem. We've helped people that are selling physical products on Amazon and other services that it's not as clean and tidy as the example I gave today, but I assure you that the positive profit loop can it can exist. And if it doesn't exist, if you're not quite at that point yet in your business, most likely what you need to work on is not scaling up your production or getting an assistant, but rather focusing on marketing, sales, and product development. So that you've got a product that's got good margin for you, 
and you're able to get the word out and sell it. And uh, probably tuning into Doug's podcast all the time is what you need to do in that instance. Well, hey, that was a great shout out. So on that uh, on that note, thank you, Tim Francis, fellow Canadian living the dream, old man in training in Austin, Texas, <laughs> looking at the skyline, drinking champagne. Uh, well, I'm still up in Canada. Actually, the, the sun is out. So it is it is uh, has been nice weather. So Canada Day should be good for you. So thanks for tuning in, listeners. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Don't be shy to share it out. Uh, make sure that you're subscribed. Subscribe to our email list so you get updates when we release great podcast episodes like this. And I look forward to serving you on our next episode that's all for this episode of real marketing real fast now it's time to take your marketing to the next level by visiting dougmorneau.com and downloading our advanced marketing white papers as well as exclusive resources based on today's episode that's dougmorneau.com until next time we look forward to serving you right here on real marketing real fast